0: From Montreal, Canada, and from many years ago, that was Ruzhnachuk, and a traditional Ukrainian folk song that tells the odd story of the unlikely marriage between a mosquito and a fly. Ruzhnachuk from Montreal with Komarek. Dobrý večer, španělský rádiosluchači. Távím vás všich na rádio předáciu nášho slavného rádio křížkového Kurína, kotra podějíte vám, jak svítíno, šest subote a šest tihodenní na báhato mluvnické rádio stanici AM třinácti dvaceti CHMB umístěné v Koveri. Pro mikrofony Pavina díakuju, štoryšlo je přebudět zimnojou na stůpnu Hello there and welcome to Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320, CHMB, Vancouver. I'm your host, Paula Demchik-McCory, Pokrinska Pavlina, and I'm delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you. We have Ukrainian Jewish Heritage in part two of an interview with Alty Rodol, who will tell us all about collaborative initiatives taking place in museums in Ukraine. We've also got part three of the three-part series on the kuban Cossacks, and you'll find out all about what happened on their Cross-Canada tour back in the 1970s or so. As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and, of course, great Ukrainian music. And up next is an American group called Trio Maximovich, And here they are with a song about one of my favorite things to eat, buckwheat, chanake.
1: See you, see you. See you
2: Діти ніде тебе, як ви діти, не прийшов вже яків додому, та залізло гишку в солому, а собаки гайкати стали, поки батько й мати не стали, наробили галасу діти, та в на хаті сидіти. Я забрала раки у миску, сама пішла свати у хижку. <музыка> Коли <музыка> туди батько приходить, і у мисці раки знаходять, хто з тобою тут же нервається, і хто приніс раки, признайся, бо мене батько питався, а ми Через тінь та через городу, наробивши батькові шкоду. Не приходже, я повинічу, бо буде сторожа піцю. Мене батько й мати се а що тебе ніяк не
0: And more Ukrainian American talent. That was a group called Korinya, and they are from somewhere on the eastern seaboard of the United States. And a traditional Ukrainian folk song called Yakiv, a story about Joseph. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Regular listeners to Holos will be familiar with the name Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. This Toronto-based, privately organized, multinational initiative sponsors the long-running series on this show, Ukrainian Jewish Heritage. This series of vignettes, cultural capsules and interviews has opened a window on this hitherto little-known aspect of the Ukrainian experience. Alti Rodal is co-director of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. She is a historian, writer, former professor of Jewish history, and official advisor to the Government of Canada. She was educated at McGill, Oxford, and Hebrew universities in history and literature. Her research and writing has focused on aspects of identity, Jewish history and culture, and intercommunal relations. ALTI has been instrumental in a project which began as an exhibition entitled A Journey Through the Ukrainian-Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914. It premiered in Toronto in 2015 and also traveled to Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal. In a recent Skype interview, ALTI updated us on this project and other exciting initiatives. In Part 1, we discussed a soon-to-be-published illustrated catalogue of the 2015 exhibit and plans for an expanded exhibit in 2020 at the Royal Ontario Museum. In Part 2, Alti shares information about new collaborative projects promoting the introduction of content on Ukrainian Jewish history and heritage to museums in Ukraine. So, Alti, we had a great discussion last week about the exhibit, the traveling exhibit in Canada, and you're moving it to Ukraine. And this is part of the Museums in Ukraine project. So, can
3: you enlighten us about that? Yes, well, it's in the stage of formation. We don't have a concept fully developed yet, but the fact that there are other organizations that are doing related activities – has come to our attention and we're a very small organization, really. And, uh, the fact that we can build and work with other organizations is actually part of our own mandate. Uh, we don't want to duplicate what other organizations mm-hmm. do and therefore try to stay abreast of what, what else is happening, who else is doing things that would advance our goals and mission. And uh, we found a number of such organizations and have approached them, and they are very interested in working with us, promoting uh, the introduction of content on Ukrainian Jewish history and heritage to Ukrainian museums in Ukraine. Uh, And I can speak about some of these Mm -hmm. um, organizations that have already agreed to work with us. Um, uh, In some cases, it's not organizations, but individuals who have done very interesting work and are now in a state where they would like to transition out of further involvement in in the work they've done, but they don't want to lose the momentum that they've built and uh, are ca- approached the Ukrainian Jewish encounter if there is interest in uh, taking their achievements and uh, moving them forward further. So one such case is an individual who, is a child of survivors who lives in Denver, Colorado, whose father survived as a partisan in Volin during the war, and he came from a small town called Manevici. Mm-hmm. Uh, after his father passed away, he traveled uh, with his son to visit this town, of this ancestral home uh, of the family, mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to find out something about the Jews who had lived there before the war, and so he, they went to the museum and befriended the museum director who said that uh, there wasn't much that he could share with that he had on the Jewish community, which was in fact the, the bulk, the majority of the, of the population of the town before the war, but that he would uh, welcome content, whether photographs or stories that he would be happy to include these in his museum. So the fellow from Denver, Whose name is Joel thought of what what could he bring? He's he wasn't he's not a historian, but he's got the talents in uh, imaging and putting together posters of interest and uh, working with photographs. Uh, so he found the memorial book uh, for the town, which was written in Israel in Hebrew in the 1960s, which had photographs in it, and he took out a number of these photographs, uh, improved them digitally and produced some posters. To make the story short, uh, he improved them again in the course of the next few years, and um, the museum director decided to submit this uh, little exhibit on Manevichi and a few other towns in Volin uh, to the Festival of Ukrainian Museums, which takes place once every three years. And brings together some 300 museum directors from all over Ukraine. Wow, he submitted wow. it as an entry for a prize. And uh, to everyone's great surprise, it won first prize. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and thereby, uh, he attracted attention from uh, many museum directors who approached him to do the same for their town. And this ties in with something that you had said, that there is an interest, even a hunger, uh, for restoring the the memory of uh, Jew communities where they had once been a significant part of the population. And now there are no Jews left in these towns. Yeah. So the, um, the result was that uh, uh, Joel, who works full time and uh, invested his own money in uh, producing this exhibit that won the prize, felt somewhat overwhelmed. He was in no (laughs) position to start doing this for all the towns that expressed interest. Uh, So through several channels, he was led to the Ukrainian Jewish encounter. He called me and told me all about his project. And as I learned more and more about it, I saw a real potential there for doing something important in Ukraine. And uh, this is how this evolved into um, not just exhibits, but also educational and commemorative dimensions. Um, that's one uh, source. Another source was the uh, Protecting Memory Project, which uh, started in 2010. The American Jewish Committee had received uh, funds from Germany, from the Claims Conference, to do something in the realm of commemoration. And they embarked on a pilot project to build um, protective spaces and monuments at several mass grave sites. Uh, They chose five places uh, and worked on this for five years. And then in 2015, they invited individuals from around the world to join them in participating in the commemorations at these locations. I was one of the people invited and uh, was very impressed by the reception that these three buses that uh, were on the tour, uh, how they were received in each of the five places and the commemoration ceremonies that took place there. In almost every case, the ceremonies were organized by local teachers and their students, and it involved the cooperation of the mayor and the religious leaders and, of course, the parents of the students. So we had large uh, gatherings at each of these commemorations and very moving and uh, i was uh, so impressed that the local people were so committed to these uh, to participate in these dedications in one instance we were delayed for almost 3 hours and uh, we nonetheless went to the village where we were expected and when we arrived it looked to me like the whole village was out there waiting for us for 3 hours Uh, Small children, families around supper time—they should have gone home, Mm -hmm. but uh, they were there waiting for us. So this is a good sign to me of the interest in acknowledging the strong ties that Jews and Ukrainians had had in these places in the pre-war years and remembering uh, what had happened to them.
0: Right now, and this was uh, this project um, of of these the mass graves. this was in the news back in 2010-2011. In it was Father Dubois, correct?
3: Yes, and he was involved in the Protecting Memory Project. In fact, uh, the first location was one that he writes about, uh, Rabaruska Ruska, uh, in his book uh, Holocaust by Bullets. And he was present uh, with his uh, people uh, at uh, that uh, commemoration. Indeed, yes. Now, the, the fact is that um, there are not one or, or ten or a uh, hundred such sites in Ukraine, but uh, up to 2,000. 2,000 mass graves, up yeah. Up to 2,000, and that's the higher number. A 1,000 is the lower number. Wow. Uh, different organizations uh, have uh, their ways of, of assessing the numbers. Uh, the Yad Vashem uh, counts several mass grave sites that are in one general location as one. And that's how you get the thousand, mm. and those count each one uh, reach the two thousand number and it's, It would be a massive, massive project to try to commemorate all these places uh, sure. with the proper monuments. but uh, the idea that one might advance uh, such commemoration at a hundred over the course of a three year period is though ambitious, it's doable, right, right. It could start what we hope would be a grassroots movement to do this in other places by the local people. Mm-hmm.
0: And you've seen some of that already. You were telling me about one site that was uh, commemorated or, or was marked, I guess, uh, just with, with a, an old truck or something.
3: Yes, I, I, well, this is actually the site of, uh, of my own family's uh, mass grave site. Uh, I have three grandparents oh. in a mass grave site uh, in the Chernivtsi area. I've written several articles about this. The story is that I was born in Chernivtsi after the war and went back in 2001. And through a series of coincidences and really unexpected coming together of uh, incidents, uh, I uh, ended up in front of the mass grave uh, at uh, in this uh, village uh, near Chernivtsi. And it was in a valley that uh, there was a... A bit of a wreckage of a truck that was put in the middle of this valley to mark it as a site that must not be cultivated. All around this little valley are cultivated sunflower fields, which were very dramatic that summer when I I saw them. And then there's this uh, spot that uh, the local people know well and do not uh, cultivate. So the memory is there. I ended up coming back to the village uh, at least six times that summer while I was living in Cherniksi, and uh, interviewing elderly people, mm-hmm. uh, all of whom gave very uh, moving uh, testimony of what they remembered as uh, children or teenagers uh, some of them were in their you know the late teens and they had good memories of events i have all this on video actually and have shared it with father Desbois' bois documentation center uh, but have also used it in uh, in the write-ups in my articles uh, the the villagers the elderly villagers uh, uh, they had uh, very emotional reactions mm-hmm. to telling the stories to me And and uh, receiving me as a long lost daughter of of the town, of the village.
0: Alti, I can't imagine what you must have experienced encountering that site. Thank you so much for sharing this story. As a lot of people don't like to share, they just want to forget and move on with life. And that's sometimes you can't you can bury things, but they tend to kind of come back, don't they?
3: Yeah, and they are, they are coming back now uh, with the younger generation of scholars uh, to, to begin with, who are uh, finding these stories in the archives, in oral history, in all kinds of records, uh, whether it's German records or Soviet records. If you don't trust one source of the records, uh, you have to look at the different sources and cross-reference them, and and the truth comes out. Right, it always does. Yeah. So, you've
0: mentioned a couple of um, of um, aspects of this Museum's in Ukraine project, and uh, you've also mentioned that you're working with others, with other organizations. Yes. And there were a couple, actually, that one of them that we had featured, uh, Peter Baker had done a feature on the Remember Us organization. They are involved with planting trees
3: um, to commemorate the Holocaust. And just uh, very recently, I was introduced to uh to Julia Kosurski, and uh, we had a number of long conversations, and uh, I found that the approach that they've adopted was one which uh which was uh highly educational and grassroots, and uh they were doing this on a shoestring budget <laughs> uh, and reaching out especially to young people, high school kids. Uh, who become uh, local docents uh, for uh, the wider community at exhibits, modest exhibits, about the history uh, of the Jews in their location, their town or village. And they also bring people to visit the local mass grave sites. And one of the results of this is that uh, in those locations, uh, the mass grave sites are respected. There's a monument there or there's a fence around the area and people know what that site is about. In contrast with other locations where there are even places where the local mass grave site is a garbage dump. Oh, and, oh. and I suspect that the local people are just not aware of what that site is, is all about. And yeah. if they knew about it, um, they couldn't leave it in the, in the state that it's in. Right. And when spring comes, there's in, others in Ukraine who are going to be looking into these mass grave sites, uh, which have garbage dumps, and in, uh, in, uh, we know about them because there was a, a young German photographer, who in 2011 went around photographing the, these sites of atrocities, and uh, found these dumps, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which were exhibited uh, at a conference in Kiev uh, last October, a conference on Babinyar. Yar, and he wanted to show that there are other smaller uh, sites than, much smaller sites than Babinyar, but that should also not be Mm -hmm. forgotten and neglected. Uh, So out of this, uh, hopefully there will be a correction of this uh, lack of respect for human life. Yeah, lots of work ahead. Yeah, there's a a great deal to do. And um, Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, as I say, is a small organization hoping to inspire that needed actions be taken which would help in the healing of uh, the rift that has become, after World War II especially, mm-hmm. which needs to be healed.
0: Yes, and you're doing great work at Ukrainian Jewish Encounter to, to do that. So, Alti, if somebody listening now is inspired to learn more and perhaps even lend a helping hand to one or more of these projects, what would you recommend they do?
3: For a start, they should check out our website, learn more about the organization, mm-hmm. UkrainianJewishEncounter.org, and uh, it includes contact information, uh, and uh, the contact person there is very reliable to pass on the information to those in the, in the organization who are most suited to respond.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so that's the way to do it, UkrainianJewishEncounter, one word, dot .org. Simple
0: and yeah there's there's a lot of just um a fair warning to anybody who hasn't been to that site. There's a lot of information so plan to spend a lot of time, and it will be well worth every single second. So thank you so much, Alty, for sharing your thoughts, your stories, your your personal stories, as well as letting us know all the wonderful work that's going on at Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. And thank you again on behalf of myself and our listeners for sponsoring Ukrainian Jewish Heritage. It has been an eye-opener and uh, it's been wonderful to be able to do this series.
3: Well, thank you very much, Paulette, for having the interest and in including this interview in your series.
0: All well, my pleasure, and I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you so much, Alti. Thank you. Radio Predaccio Nash Holos Radio Kinskoho Korinya na Radio Stansi, I am Trinazia Dvatset, CHMB, Umisti Vancouver, Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM thirteen twenty, CHMB, Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlína. Up next, part three of the three part radio documentary narrated by Nadia Kazimira, The Cuban Cossacks, 40 Years in Show Business.
5: While there was the desire, with their very busy performance schedule, the Kuban Cossacks would not be able to undertake a cross-Canada tour immediately. Only in late 1972, following the conclusion of their sixth contract at the Nugget Casino in Reno, Nevada, with the vocal duo of Sandler & Young, the Cuban Cossacks were able to come to Canada. <laughs>
6: Kyrgyzak's 1972 coast-to-coast Canadian tour was managed by Roman Pidvisotsky of the Ray Stevens people of Montreal. The Ukrainian-Canadian Students' Union in Canada assisted with promotion and ticket sales. The ensemble gave 20 performances, starting at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre in Vancouver on October 31, 1972, and ended their tour in Montreal's Place des Arts on December 17th. And I might add that as president of the Alpha Omega Ukrainian Students Club at the University of Regina, our club promoted the kuban Cossacks performances in Regina on November 15, 1972. Many from our community remember this tour fondly, and particularly the Ukrainian-Canadian-born baby boomers. Boris Hirsky recalls the kuban Cossacks' successful performance before a sold-out crowd numbering over a 1,000 attendees at the University of Waterloo Theater on December 8th, 1972. Послухаємо спогани Бориса Сірського та виступ Кубанських козаків у місті Ватерлу.
7: This should David другому раці. Мало б бутися вся канадське тур славних кубанських козаків. Я тоді був на університеті Уарлу і рівнош головою студентського клубу. І до мене звернувся якраз головний організатор цього, цього турне пан Олексюк Сторонта. І ми, студенти, погодилися їм зорганізувати концерт. Чому? В тих дні, в 70-х роках, було мало українців чи українських артистів якоїсь світової слави. А ці кубанські козаки були зірками телевізії, наприклад, де вони виступали на таких дуже славних програмах, так як Ed Sullivan, вони виступали разом з Bob Hope, і у своїй кар'єрі вони дали понад 8 тисяч концертів. Також вони були майже перші носії славних козацьких традицій, які показали перед чужим світом, що Україна дійсно має багато-багато-багато культуру, і з тої нагоди ми їх стягнули до нашого університету. Концерт саме був був п'ятницю 8 грудня 1982 році в Новіцьінькому театрі Arts Theatre, де приблизно було 200 місць. Наш клуб дуже тяжко попрацював, щоб зібрати не лише українську громаду, але також і чужих студентів. І з тих 1200 ми виправдали більше, як 1100 квитків. Заля була переповнена, і ці хлопці, бо двох грали нормально на гітарі, один на гармошці, своїм красним співом тих старих козацьких пісень і своїми танцями, they were in those
6: As president of the Ukrainian Students Club at the University of Waterloo, Boris Yirsky and club members worked countless hours in ticket sales, promotion and advertising the Kuban Cossacks show. The release of their second LP in 1972, Rhythm of the Ukraine, the kuban Cossacks On Your Steps, coincides with the Canadian tour. The Canadian tour was very memorable, as can be attested by the memories which have lingered to this day. 1973, the three Cossacks had been working to a grueling schedule for close to 20 years. Mikola and Sashko wanted to leave the travel and demanding performances completely. In 1973, they returned to Paris to pursue other professional interests. They performed occasionally at Sheikh Rasputin, while following interests in the arts, stage, and film. Sashko enjoyed a successful acting career in theater French television and film. He died on April 28, 2004, in Paris. Mikola, as well, pursued an acting career in France in television and in film. As an accomplished accordion player, Mikola Kumpan also taught music and accordion. He died on March 25, 2013, in Paris. Vasil Kovalenko continued the ensemble's tradition using the kuban Cossack's name and well-known brand of energetic and dazzling performances at cabarets, nightclubs, and theaters.
5: He managed many gifted dancers and their disciplined preparation of joyously exuberant dances and songs. This included at least a two-hour warm-up before each performance, preceded by a fast from food for five hours and a total abstinence from alcohol. As always, their stage dress was immaculate, traditional, but tailored to the glamour of the spotlights. In December 1975, while performing in the Lido show at the Stardust Hotel Casino in Las Vegas, Vasil and Lily, his dance partner of several years, were married in a traditional Ukrainian Orthodox ceremony. They and their honor guard were all dressed in Kuban-Cossack attire, It was indeed a sight to admire as captured on camera by the Las Vegas Press.
6: Of the Kuban Kazakh dance would now be preserved by Lily and Vasil Kovalenko. They left the United States in 1976 and took their show to Iran, performing in a cabaret owned by Ashraf Pahlavi, the twin sister of the Shah of Iran, and then went to Baghdad. Eventually, Vasil and Lily landed in Australia, and from there, in the ensuing years, they toured Europe, going back and forth particularly to Italy, Germany, and Slovenia.
8: joy e yes
6: Establishing a home base in Australia in 1977, Lillian Vassil performed in Hobart, Tasmania at the Rest Point Hotel Casino Show. For two years, they contributed to the success of Reg Priestman's Glittering Merci Beaucoup production, a song and dance review. This type of show, not seen previously, took Surfer's International Resort on the Gold Coast and St. George's Club in Sydney and Canberra storm. The Kuban Cossacks introduced new choreography and dance steps, such as Mikhailo in honor of Mikhailo Svirid, who as an additional member of the show executed this original dancing step to perfection. Lily choreographed a new Cossack dance step using a combination of original steps with two Cossack whips. 80s saw Lily and Vasil perform in Europe, Israel, and the Far East. By this time, after performing for over 40 years, the Kuban Cossacks had appeared in 13,000 live shows in 30 countries in just about every capital city in the world. They brought great entertainment to European theaters, cabarets, and nightclubs. They had appeared 19 seasons in Monte Carlo with two command performances, for Prince Renye and Princess Grace. The Kuban Cossacks appeared on 160 television shows, showcasing the allure and vibrancy of Ukrainian dance, music, and song. За 40 років їхнього професійного діяння, Кубанські козаки дали 13 виступів на сценах країн світу. Lily and Vasyl Kovalenko continued their long career on the international stage, in Budapest in 1989. That year they witnessed to their delight the collapse of the Berlin Wall and they have continued to support many Ukrainian cultural initiatives. Vasil is the remaining original member of the founding members of the Kuban Cossacks ensemble. В 1989 році і Василь Коваленко виступили в Будапешті. З великим задоволенням вони пережили упадок Берлінського муру. Вони продовжують підтримувати українські культурні ініціативи. Василь Коваленко залишився останній із засновників ансамблю кубанських козаків. Ось послухайте вірш пісні Зої Когут, присвячений кубанським козакам. Гей, далеко Україно! Гей, Кубанні ріка! З чужини до тебе лини пісня козака? Світ широкий, розступись навколо, на синів козацьких ти поглянь. Ми – Лишень Василь, Сашко і Микола, та за нами Київ і Кубань. І так закінчуємо наш репортаж. Я хочу висловити свою велику вдячність Василеві за його поміч з матеріалом і за його вдумливість в мистецтві кубанських козаків. Хочу також подякувати Лідії Руплянській і Любомирові Таски за їх поміч в My profound gratitude to Василь Kovalenko for his assistance in providing material and insight on the illustrious career of the Kuban Cossacks. I am indebted to Lydia Rupansky and to Lou Tasky for their help locating much needed historic documentation.
0: What an incredible story of a musical legend and a cultural treasure, the Kuban Cossacks. Many thanks to Irena Bell, producer and host of the Ukrainian Hour radio program on Chin Radio in Ottawa for providing this feature. And thanks to Nadia Kazimira for producing and presenting it. And last but not least, to the Kuban Cossacks for 40 years of wonderful music and entertainment.
9: Right we Hey, hey, hey! We love to dance, we sing and we dance. We love to dance, we sing and we dance. We love to dance, we sing and we dance. кубанська love to I'm a
10: Де ходи, оресю, а грай на сопілеті. Ой ой не ходи на лісову гору. А грай на Ой ой не ходи на гор, А грай на сопел��. Бо на горі на листі, туман над ярами, по горі на листі, чорти з відьмаками, Ой, гой, девіться диреці, ой, гой, деріться, деріться, там що гріхи дивитись, Ой, гой, деріться дириці, ой, гой, деріться диреці, там що Круторогі, хочі, як лещата щінка в нього чорна жаба, брідка та вусата. Ой, гой, дері ціриці, ой, гой, дері ціниці, от такі жінки, в тім царстві гайні молодиці, Ой, гой, дері ціриці, ой, гой, дері ціриці, от такі жінки, в тім царстві молодеці Чорт чорцюватий та багатий, хоч кльову дівку, може їй платити з лапом, да водить до шинок, ой, гойдериці. А чекай на принця Ой-ой, дритця-дритця Ой-ой, дритця-дритця Не ходи Орис на гору А чекай на принця Лай-лай-лай-лай
0: best in Ukrainian programming. Tune in to Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show in Vancouver, Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on AM 1320 CHMB on the radio dial and online at am1320.com. You can also hear the Nanaimo edition in Vancouver, Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on air at 101.7 FM or online at chly.ca. In between broadcasts, please visit us at www.nashholos.com. If you miss their live radio transmissions of the show, that's where you can get the podcast links to all three editions, as well as other audio files, transcripts, and more. There's also a link to our Patreon site, where we'll be interacting and sharing additional content with Patrons, patrons of the show. I love to hear from you, so please send in your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome voda tak rozum and our proverb of the week translates as a head needs intelligence like the earth needs water, well, a bit of a no-brainer there for you. sorry. And with that we've come to the end of our program. So to wrap things up, we have the Royal Aces 4 with the Dulcimer Polka. I'm Pavlina, on behalf of all of us here at Nash Hollos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich. <music>